0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot.
1: But I'd like for you to take your Bibles today and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this morning, for the next few moments, keeping in rhythm and theme of our special day of recognition today, I want to speak for the next few moments on this subject, Celebrating Veterans. I want you to think about that. In Second Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to read for you this morning, beginning with verse number 1, and I'm going to read for you through verse number 7. Obviously, the Apostle Paul is the one who has wrote these most memorable and notable passages, and I think these are indeed scriptures that we are well familiar with. But beginning in verse number one, the scripture says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's going to be an important word in the message today. You might, if you are uh, willing to mark in your Bible and uh, you want to make a special notation, I would underline this word teach. We'll be talking about that momentarily, but to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding, in all things. Our gratitude this morning goes far beyond a beautiful ceremony that we have just experienced. The truth of the matter is this, that some of us would not even be alive today, and especially here in this church this morning, without the sacrifice and service of many of our loved ones and all of our veterans. But this morning, i I do not want to speak only about the armed forces that make America free. It's also a great honor to speak about the veterans who are and who has served in the Lord's army as well. And that's where I want to spend the focus on the second half of the service today. And and we could speak, I think, about the great veteran heroes that make up the great hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. If you're not familiar with that passage of scripture, I would encourage you to make a notation of that and you can read it at another time. But certainly it is the great hall of fame of some of God's great godly heroes. I'm talking about people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Rahab we can find them in a number of other places as well, all throughout the Word. People like Daniel, Job, Elijah, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. And the list goes on with people like Peter, James, and John. Great veterans in the Lord's army. But it's not limited to the Lord's veterans of biblical times, but also including Those of today, and I really do believe that there are some great veterans in the Lord's army who are still activated and who are serving today. And listen very carefully if you are a believer today, by that I mean you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, you've made him your Savior, you've made him your Lord, and you believe that he was a real person, that he walked this earth that he was sent here on a mission from God to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying. You believe that Jesus came, that he was born of a virgin, that he began his public ministry when he was at the age of 30. He lived on this earth for 33 and a half years, but performing his miracles for three and a half years. And then he went to the cross. He shed every drop of blood that he had. He was placed in a borrowed tomb God raised him back to life on the third day. He ascended back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. And there he is today as our great high priest, and he will soon return. If you have placed your faith in him and he alone, then that makes you a blood-washed, born-again child of God. You are classified as a veteran in the Lord's army. But I want to say that your status may be questionable. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are indeed a member of the Lord's army. You are a veteran in the Lord's army, but your status may be questionable. Every single one of us this morning who claims to be a child of God, all of us should be on active duty. All of us. As a soldier in the Lord's army, listen carefully, there has never been a moment in human history since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden that we have lived in peacetime as a born-again child of God. In fact, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12, he talks about the war that we fight And how that this war, this battle, takes place every single day that we live and breathe. He wrote it like this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so the grim reality this morning is this, that as a soldier in the Lord's army, is that we are fighting a continual, constant battle. The conflict may seem at times to be endless, but here's the thing that I want to remind you of today. Though the battle has ever been raging, since the Garden of Eden, and even before that, when Lucifer rebelled against God in heaven, the word says that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain before the foundations of of the world. And so there's been a constant ongoing battle uh, between flesh. The word says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood but against principalities and high places. But let me assure you of something. Though the conflicts that we have in this life certainly af- affect our flesh and we, we deal with the flesh, we battle with the flesh every single day, Things that we want to do good, we can't. Things that we want to think good, sometimes we can't. And Paul talked about that a little bit as well. So we're in a constant struggle and battle with our flesh, but more so in a spiritual warfare. And I will tell you this, that in the end, though things may seem dark and dreary right now, I want to assure you that if you are a born-again child of God, that in the end we win. And I thank God for that. But for right now, just like it was for the children of Israel, there is no peacetime on this earth. One of the things that I thought about being a soldier in the Lord's army is that, and this ought to grip all of our hearts because we fall somewhere into the category of one or two. For some of us, as a veteran in the Lord's army, some of us we will have an honorable discharge. Some of us may experience a dishonorable discharge. Some of us will be discharged from active duty, having done all we could Faithfully for the kingdom, and for the king whose kingdom it stands. Paul said it this way in Second Timothy chapter four, verse six through eight. And I want to ask you to put your act of duty in question this morning. You will leave honorably, or dishonorably. Paul said it this way, for I'm now ready. And the question remains are you ready? If you were to meet the Lord today, if your life were to end on this earth today, would you be ready? And you might say, Well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Well, even the devil believes in God. But are you ready to meet him? Are you prepared for eternity? He says, for I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. Can you say that? I have finished my course. Can you say that? I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that also love is appearing. I thank God that I truly believe within our church family, within the Buford Road community, I truly believe that there are some of us who can stand with testimony and say, I'm ready. Next Sunday will be a most unusual Sunday for us here at Buford Road. We've never done this quite like this on a Sunday morning before. We've had communion since our conception, since our charter as Buford Road Baptist Church. But next Sunday, on Sunday morning, We will be having a very special communion service and I'm going to allow our ushers to pass a microphone around for somebody to give a word of praise. Now, if you take 60 seconds, you've taken too long because you can see that the church is full. I want to give everybody 10, 15, 20 seconds to say something that's bubbling, overflowing in your heart. I want you to give praise to the Lord Jesus. I want you to thank him. And it's a public declaration of your faith and the goodness of God upon your life. As we reflect on Thanksgiving, I'd like to give everybody the opportunity to do that. So I want you to think about this today. Some of us will be honorably discharge. Some of us will be able to say, I'm ready. I'm ready today. If the Lord were to take me home today, I'd be ready to meet him. But then some of us may leave this world with a dishonorable discharge. You say, what do you mean preacher? I don't know how it is when a person enters into heaven. None of us have ever been there. And the scriptures do not comment on this, just like it doesn't comment on everything But I wonder when it's our time to cross the great divide, and I want to give you a thought to think about today that maybe you've not contemplated before. I wonder when some of us get to heaven, if some of those saints and heroes of the faith from yesteryear I wonder if they would ask us as we make our entrance into that celestial city. Where were you? Where were you at when the church of the living God needed you the most? Where were you at Sunday after Sunday? Where were you at in your faith? Where were you at? I don't know but I think that might be a soul-searching question. Perhaps somebody might say, well, where were you at with the Word? Where were you at in obeying the voice of God through Scripture? Why, why did you abandon the Word in the latter days for the pleasures of the world? And here's, here's a startling truth. But as a pastor, and I have been pastoring this church almost 40 years, and I am seeing more and more Christians today in these latter days becoming attracted and distracted with the pleasures of the world that will not mean anything in heaven That will not mean anything in eternity. I mean, by by droves, Christians are indulging in all pleasures, all kinds of pleasures of the world that will not mean anything over there. Paul reminds us of a soldier who did just that. In 2 Timothy 4.10, he said this, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Let me ask you this. Have you ever stopped to consider that only what you do for Christ will last? Only what you do for Christ. Well, listen, we, we, we know how to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But there will come a day when it means nothing. And we have to bring our lives into account. But the truth of the matter is, no matter how we leave this world, whether we leave with an honorable discharge or whether we leave with a dishonorable discharge, as believers, we are all veterans. That's the thing that I want you to focus on, and it's my prayer. And I know it's the will of God that in each of us, in all of our lives, that we complete our tour of duty on this earth in a most honorable way. Now, I understand this. Some of us who have been saved for more than a week, and, and I will also emphasize this. Do you know that probably one of the most difficult days in a person's life is the day after they trust Jesus as their savior? Because that's I, I really believe that's one of the most vulnerable times of their life. The devil instantly puts his arsenal his radar upon our lives. But he doesn't stop the day after or the day of. He he begins to initiate all kinds of spiritual warfare in our life. And so let me say this. Some of us in the Lord's army, we, we may leave this world as wounded soldiers. And I thought about that in several different aspects. Some of us in the Lord's army may close our eyes in death. Some of us will be here when the rapture takes place. Some of us in here today, and I know your life because I've been pastoring you almost four decades. Some of us have been in some real heated battles, some things that have rocked your world, turned your lives upside down, ripped you apart. There's stories. I look out from this pulpit and I look out across this great congregation and I know your life. I've been in the hospitals with you. I've been in the funeral home with you. I've been in the jailhouse with you. I've been at the courthouse with you. I've been in spiritual foxholes with you and I've seen how the enemy has come against you. Every person in here nearly represents a story that I'm well familiar with. And there's no doubt in my mind that as a believer you have been hurt, you've been wounded, you've been battle scarred. Some of us have had unbelievable battles that we have faced. When the enemy came, when you were at the most vulnerable place in your life and took serious advantage over you, he came and sifted you as wheat. He came and inflicted great harm on you and your family. And in some cases, he took people out of the church. He took people out of the word. He took people out of the way. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. He said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And I fear today that even those of you that are watching by internet and certainly who are in the Lord's army around the world. And perhaps there's somebody here today where Satan is in the process right now of taking great advantage of you. He's coming against your family like he never has before. He's putting things in your mind. He's putting things in your heart. And I will tell you this, when he puts it in your mind, it gets in your heart. And when it gets in your mind and gets in your heart, it starts coming out as actions and deeds. And there is no doubt in my mind in a crowd like this, Satan is sifting somebody in here like wheat. He's taken a very serious aggression against you. But hold on to this spiritual truth. Though the battle in this life may be serious, it may be hot, it may be heated, we may lose battles every now and then. Our world may be rocked, our lives may be turned upside down, but I will tell you this, every one of us who is a veteran in the Lord's army, you know the Lord Jesus as your personal savior, you've trust him. No matter how difficult this life is as a believer, I will assure you that no one will ever take a wounded heart to heaven. You say, what are you talking about? Well, there will be, there will be some that will be ashamed at his coming for sure. There will be some that has lost rewards that is coming for sure. But I want to promise you this: that the only scars that will be in heaven will be in the hands of Jesus, his feet, and his riven side. None of us will take battle scars to heaven. Can somebody say "Amen"? There are two flags standing here next to me: the American flag and this flag today it represents the freedoms that we live by it represents brave men and women who carried this flag on battlefields to ensure two fundamental things to you and I that we have life liberty And when you put those two things together, friend, listen, there's nothing in the world that can take the place of that. It grieves me. It saddens me that in the United States of America, where, where this flag
0: won the Civil War, This flag that was in wars we did not win for reasons we chose not to win. Not that we could not win,
1: but we chose not to win. I think about this flag. The beautiful sound of the bagpipes and the beautiful sound of the trumpet and the sound of the voices behind me and your voices as well. I think about this flag and how, let's start with America. How in America today, how people would sew this thing on the back seat of their britches upside down. How some people would urinate on it. How some people would Desecrated in unimaginable ways. And even in the streets of the United States of America, shout and speak the words, Death to America. I will tell you this this country by large is demon possessed. I love this flag. I'm thankful for every picture out there, and certainly not everybody here today has a picture out there, but you have a loved one, you have a family member, you have a friend that you remember so well. And right here beside me, we also have the Christian flag representing the kingdom of heaven and our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you may not be really familiar with this flag. Teresa did a very wonderful job this morning leading us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't know how many of you realize that we also, as Christian believers, we have a Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian flag. It goes like this. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior crucified, Risen and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Now, I'm so thankful today that I have been raised with a godly heritage in my life that has taught me how to appreciate and love and cherish both of these. The interesting thing about these two armies that these flags represent is to faithfully and effectively serve and either one, here is the thing. In order to serve in this army, a person has to have physical focus. In order to serve in this army, one has to have spiritual focus. And so if you're looking at your bulletin today, let me be very quick. Number one, to enlist in either army is completely voluntarily. And that is this, as Brother Gary said so well just a moment ago, there currently is no draft in America right now. But the same is true in the army of God. Over and over in the Word, the Bible that you hold dear to you right now, the Holy Spirit woos us with a free will. Every person in this auditorium today has a free will. No one made you come today, unless your wife did, I don't know. No one made you come today and... I want to correct a passage of scripture for you. I've got it twisted a little different here. Instead of Matthew 28, 11, I want to give you Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. So I want you to look at that. This talks about the free will of the Lord. And this is what he said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. He said, come unto me. This is an invitation and it's extended to all of us. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So it's a free will. There is no forced draft in America today, and there has never been a forced draft in the kingdom of heaven. It's a free will. Acts 2 verse 21, and it came to pass, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Mark eight thirty four, and when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And in John four fourteen, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst, but the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So in both of these armies, let me tell you, to enlist is completely on a volunteer basis. Number two, we are all, every one of us, in the army of the Lord, we are all recruiters. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.20, now then we are ambassadors, ambassadors, recruiters of Christ, for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That means this. When I got saved, when you got saved, when I volunteered myself following the call of whosoever will, when I enlisted in the Lord's army, when I gave him my heart, I automatically became a soldier in his kingdom. And let me tell you this. One of the things that, He has assigned me, he has assigned you to do, and that is to be a soul winner. He has recruited us to win souls. Have you ever thought about what would have happened in your life if the person who led you to Christ, the person you talked to about Christ, you never met? What direction do you feel that your life would have went in if that one person Oh, preacher, there's a lot of Christian radios, a lot of Christian television, a lot of Christian... Yeah, but what would have happened if that one person had not taken the time to speak to you about the Lord? Proverbs 11.30 says, For the few fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And in Luke 14, verse 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go ahead in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Listen carefully. I want to say something this morning that is very controversial, but it's true and I challenge anybody to debate. God does not change with culture. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it doesn't matter how perverted this world becomes, God will never ever become perverted. He will never change who he is. He said, I cannot change. And so God doesn't change with culture. He is the same God. Here's the problem with the church today. And I'm not just talking about Beaufort Road. I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ. What has happened to the church is that the church is getting away from the word of God. It's getting away from the Bible. It's getting away from who God is and what Jesus says he is. He cannot, he will not change. is the same. So I believe one of the antidotes, one of the helps, one of the hopes for America and for the world today is for the church to get back to the Bible. Number three, we are to be spiritual drill instructors. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen. therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now listen, how in the world will people ever know the manners and customs of a relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ if we do not teach them? In Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through twenty, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when he saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and here's this word again. Teach. I told you to underline it. If you marked in your Bible at the beginning of the message today, teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Here's the word again, teaching them to observe all things. How how can we expect the world to know if we don't teach them? Whatsoever I've commanded you in law, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. We've got to train people. Listen, now this message becomes practical and applicable for Buford Road Baptist Church, the Buford Road Family Life. Listen carefully. We as a body here, a local, uh, independent, as, as, as a separated group of believers, we here at Buford Road, we have got to get back to training people in the manners and customs of the word of God. We have got to get back to discipleship. Sunday school is important. Growth tracks is important. Toddler church, children's church, junior church, teens, impact, Awanas. We have got to get back to training disciples, teaching them to observe all things. Number four, quickly. Soldiers do not stay in boot camp forever. I want to change this scripture up a little bit. I want you to turn to Matthew 28, 7. And the scripture says, and go quickly, quickly, and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. Listen, when you get saved, the last thing in the world God wants you to do is find a pew and park on it. That's the last thing. Listen, He he has not called any of us to be pew warmers. But the reason I believe, again, the body, the church, has become so cold and callous and indifferent and trying to change God, trying to maneuver God into this culture change and force God to be something he's not or try to make him to be something that he's not, Listen carefully, when you, when you think about this, what, what is happening in our world today and what is happening in society today, and, and given the fact that he cannot change, here's the thing. The reason I believe that the world is in such a mess today, in some ways, it's the fault of the church. You say, what do you mean? The reason why there are so many icicles in the pew is because there are too many polar bears in the pulpit. The church needs to get back to the word and preaching the word. 1 Samuel 4, verse 9. Be strong and quit yourself. That means get busy, get moving. Like men, oh, you Philistines, that you be not servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. Every single one of us is a veteran in the Lord's army. We need to be on the battlefield, not just some of us, but all of us. And it's probably one of the biggest struggles in Christianity today because some people feel that God has just appointed them to be a spectator, and that's not true. We have all got to get in the fight, all of us. And number five, and I want our musicians to come forward. We must we must keep our eyes on our commander-in-chief. And it ain't who I or who you think it is. John 3:14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And in John 12, verse 32, And if I be lifted up from the earth, will I draw all men nigh to me? And so as the serpent on the staff of Moses was raised up to the deliverance and the healing of the people of Israel. So the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is raised up with Jesus making the everlasting eternal atonement for all mankind. All who turn to it, all who look to it, all who trust in it, all who receive it can and will find everlasting life, will never thirst again. John 4, 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It's when we take our eyes off the commander-in-chief that we get into trouble. And here's something that I want to share with you, a great spiritual truth in closing. You may have never thought about this before. But in Matthew chapter 14, verse 26, we are all familiar of the story. But I want to show you something about the story that you may have overlooked, you've never seen, maybe perhaps ever in your life. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, we all know how Jesus walked on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a Spirit. And they cried out with fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. So here's the thing I want you to see. Maybe you've never seen it before. When Peter was in the boat, And the wind was thrashing. The storm was raging.
0: The waves were boisterous.
1: When he stepped out of the boat, the winds did not intensify. They were already disastrous. So when Peter was in the boat, looking at Jesus, walking on the water. He was saying, and the waves were just as high. The wind was just as strong. The lightning was still thrusting and thrashing and cracking all around him. But he had his eyes on Jesus. And when he said, Lord, bid me to come, listen, the storm didn't stop. The storm didn't quiet down. When he got out of the boat, the winds were still raging just like they were when he was in the boat. The storm was cracking just like it was when he was in the boat. The difference was when he was in the boat, he had his eyes on Jesus. When he got out of the boat, though the same storm, the same rough sea, when he got out of the boat, he took his eyes off Jesus and put him on the winds, put him on the sea. same storm. The difference when he took his eyes off the Lord. And so I'll tell you today, friends, in this world, and we are, we are a trumpet away from going home. If you know nothing about Bible prophecy, it would do me no good and you no good in three minutes to give you a sermon on eschatology, but I will tell you this. The bottom line is that Jesus is coming soon. And everything that's going on in the world today is falling like dominoes, echoing the message of his return. Paul said, I'm ready, are you? Are you? When a church takes its eyes off Jesus, our faith will be affected, and that's when the enemy advances on the battlefield. We've got to learn how to look past the enemy and keep them steadfast on the one who has defeated the enemy. Thank God for America, and thank God for heaven. This morning, I shared with a brother in New Jersey, whose daughter-in-law just lost in childbirth her second child. As I was talking to him, in in a way of encouragement the last thing I said to him was this. Life is difficult. Life is hard. But thank God, heaven will fix it all. Heaven will fix it all. If you're hoping for A season, a time in your life to cross your T's and dot your I's. Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Paul said, I'm ready. Are you? Are you ready? Ready. It could be today.
0: You listen to Pastor Tony Kahoot. For more information, Visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.